Good afternoon, Dr. McCain. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Like the weather is fantastic, and I'm getting ready to head to London tomorrow. So, oh, nice. <laughs> a lot of things oh, going wow. on. But yeah, <laughs> it's it's, it's, it's very cold here, there. <laughs> it's like 30 degrees. It's miserable. <laughs> yeah, in Georgia this morning it was like 28. And I walked outside going to the gym in my shorts and t-shirt and I was like, oh no, this yeah. isn't good. It is way <laughs> too cold over here. But it looks nice outside, so I'll take that. Yeah, there's that. Uh, but I, I actually have a quick question. How many different places, like different states, countries have you been to in like the past two months? Because I follow your oh. Instagram and it seems like you're going everywhere and it's so awesome to see you're doing all these yeah. great recitals, too. Well, it's easier to answer the, the country part because um, I haven't been out of the country in a year. And so, like, London will be the first time oh, like, in 2022. But, and I honestly cannot answer, like, how many states I've been in the last two months. Um, like, I've been taking, like, a week at a time. I mean, I just got back from California on Saturday. Uh, I was performing out there. Um and I honestly, I know this sounds terrible. I don't know where I was two weeks ago. I know how I was working. That was one part of that. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I mean, just living the dream. Um, I love what I get to do. Uh, I get to work with amazing students at Texas State University. I get to perform like all over the place in different situations, orchestra, jazz, um, chamber music. And so, you know, like when you, you kind of live, um, a career like that, you know, like you literally are taking, like taking it a gig or a week at a time. <laughs> yeah. Is it just solo projects that have been keeping you so busy? Uh, it's been a little bit of everything. Been, um, subbing with a couple of orchestras. Um, I, I do chamber music with my wife. Um, we're the McCain duo. Mm -hmm. Um, that's why we're going to London, um, tomorrow. Um, I play in the Rodney Marsalis Philadelphia Big Brass. Um, and we're getting ready to do our, our holiday tour in the Midwest in a few weeks. Um, you know, a couple of jazz gigs here and there. So yeah, it's just a little bit of, of everything, which is nice. It keeps it fresh. Yeah, I bet. That's awesome. Nice. Well, uh, I kind of want to start from the, the very beginning, and I, I'm i really curious, like, what was your early life like? How did you get into music at first, and what kind of steered you toward that direction of, like, I want to be a musician, I want to do this? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, like Early life, I mean, my parents were not musicians, but they were raised by musicians, and so, um, you know, like, I have, like, a deep generational musical background um like with my dad um he's from philadelphia he went to high school with like amazing um musicians like the great um leon bates who was um an amazing and still is um concert pianist um his mom was a pianist and a church organist and on my mom's side of the family, uh, my grandfather was a concert organist. So I grew up seeing him like travel all over the country, you know, playing like Bach, Toccata and Fugue and all these, all these things. Like he was the face of organ brochures in the seventies. Like, so he was a, he was a pretty big deal. Um, his mom was a singer. And then on my grandmother's side, my mom's mom's side of the family, um, her uncle, actually owned this um, juke joint in Jackson, Mississippi, that there was actually uh, a documentary on um, Amazon Prime about it called Last of the Mississippi Jukes. And like oh, back in the day, especially during segregation, um, a lot of the black musicians 
or could only stay at this particular hotel, the Summers Hotel. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, I just learned that history like maybe 10 years ago about my family. And it was really ironic because, and I'll get into this later, but I actually went to undergrad in Mississippi. So I didn't even know like all this, these roots of my family. <laughs> and I was gigging in Jackson like this whole time. <laughs> but, uh, um, so yeah, so I, my, you know, my, my parents were raised by musicians. So they, they always knew to like kind of keep me active with private lessons. So I started out actually taking piano lessons, which I feel really gave me the foundation of like, you know, learning music uh, notes, learning rhythm. And when it was time to like do band, um, I took, I mean, I did really well, like on the recorder thing, you know, we had to do that before I like, actually picking an instrument and the band directors, you know, just like, yeah, like, you know, you could actually, you know, do some nice things with music. And so when it was time to pick an instrument, it wasn't trombone, it was baritone. And so I did that. Yeah, I did that for like for fifth grade. <laughs> But there was no trombone player in my beginning band class. And so sixth grade, like I was just enamored with the slide. I mean, because there was no other instrument like it. And so I asked if I could switch to trombone and I switched to trombone in the sixth grade. And um, that was and that was great. Um, I still kept playing baritone, though, and which was really good for me later on down the line. I'll, I'll get to that. But yeah, you know, with my parents being raised by musicians, like I was always taking private lessons. Um, they were always making sure that I was taking lessons like with the best people um, in the business. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I'm from Memphis, Tennessee. So like, I was taking lessons with the principal trombonist of the Memphis Symphony Orchestra, Greg Luscombe. And when I was in high school, like I was still in the sports because I was actually doing sports before band. Um, but when I got into high school, I was very fortunate to be a part of the Memphis Youth Symphony. And to be honest with you, that's where I first start getting the bug. Like, man, I might want to do this for a living. I mean, my freshman year, we played Shosky Five, like Kalinikov's first symphony. Um, sophomore year, the planets and like we got to tour too. So, I mean, that's also where I got the travel bug. Like we did tours to Italy and Vienna. And so, you know, getting to see this That's broad awesome. perspective of the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, as a teenager, I'm like, okay, this is something that I, you know, would like to do. And because of that organization, I was also able to uh, know about and attend like Interlochen and attend Brevard as a high school student. Mm-hmm. And when you're around like other kids your age that are hungry, you know, you have no choice but to want to get better. You know what I mean? And so, um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that was like kind of my trajectory in high school. And then I went to, um, college at the University of Southern Mississippi where I did my, uh, my undergrad. I went in first as a music ed major because all of my all state buddies were music ed majors. So like, oh, I'll do that too. Uh. <laughs> and, um, yeah, but I always loved performing though. And my, after my freshman year, I remember, I remember going back to my little high school during the summer. And that's what typically people do to go, you know, help out with the band. And it was after that summer. I'm like, man, I don't really want to teach kids who are just doing this for extracurricular activity. I just want to, you know, if I'm going to teach, I want to teach like serious students. And I loved performing. So I remember going back to my sophomore year and telling my undergrad professor, I want to switch to performance. Um, I think, you know, I don't know what that meant <laughs> at the time, like being a performance major, but I just know I think I'd rather do that. 
And, you know, she was very supportive. Um, my undergrad trauma professor was Marta Hoffaker, um, who was a longtime trombone professor at the University of Southern Mississippi. Um, first mm-hmm. female to get a DMA in trombone performance. And, oh, wow. um, yeah, yeah. She, she got out of the business, um, pretty early. Actually, she retired and did like a totally different, um, career, um, after Southern Miss. But, um, but yeah, she, she was great. And, um, Really, when I was an undergrad, that's when other things started to click with me. Actually, that's when I switched to bass trombone my freshman year of college. And so um, it was just weird how that happened, too. Um, so, you know, I was a pretty decent tenor player. And at USM, at least back then, my, my professor always liked to bring in four trombone students, three tenors and a bass, so like a freshman quartet. But mm-hmm. the bass player that was, that was supposed to be in my freshman class got in a serious car accident that oh, summer. Man. And, you know, luckily he survived, but he never came to, he never came to school. And so there were just three of us in my freshman class and someone had to switch to bass. And she asked me if I would be interested in doing it. And at first I was very apprehensive. Like I wasn't interested in doing it. Um, I remember trying out one of my buddy's, uh, mouthpieces. I think it was like the equivalent of a toilet bowl. It was huge. Like I couldn't center a, like a pitch on it. And so I was even more discouraged. I'm like, man, I don't, I don't think bass is for me. Um, but at the time, majority of the studio were playing on Edwards. All right. Like we were at Edwards studio, like Doug Elliott mouthpieces. And I was, you know, I came in playing like a Bach 42. Um, and it was like a little older and I'm like, man, it's like, I need to get an Edwards. Everybody else is playing Edwards. Like maybe that's the trick of getting better. And um, for my teacher, she said, well, if I buy uh, Edward's bass for the studio, like, would you switch? And I'm like, sure, I'll switch. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, like, the, you know, like started playing the Edward's bass. I mean, eventually got my own. But, you know, just knowing like the role of the bass trombone, like I hit the bug very quickly. Uh, I was just enamored with the sound of the instrument. I mean, the guys in the studio who were older than me playing bass sounded fantastic. Um, and so I just, just ran for like the clouds, just trying to get my hands on every recording back then, um, that was possible, like every, um, solo that was out there. And like I was hooked. And so, um, as a freshman, you know, I was at the bottom tier um, mm. of the bases, but I was going to like the top ensemble rehearsals, you know, just to hear like, okay, this is what I need to sound like, you know, like in, in order to get better. And as a teacher, like I encourage my students to do this all the time, like the young ones, like, like you need to be around like the old cats, like be around the cats that are better than you. So like you can get better. And so, and that's, that's what did it for me. Like when I was, was, when I was in college and I know I'm kind of like going off, going off on a tangent here, but, um, but yeah, you know, like that was, you know, kind of my story. Um, a lot of people, a lot of people ask me about this, but I actually got a marketing minor in undergrad and that was probably the best information that I ever got. Um, I was a music I was like a work study um, student for the orchestra program. And so I got to work very closely to the director of orchestral activities and the marketing at Southern Miss back in the day with the orchestra was ridiculous. 
Um, I mean, my freshman year, we had Yo-Yo Ma as a guest artist. Like, my sophomore year, we had okay. Isak Perlman. My junior year, we Whoa. had Renee Fleming. Yeah, yeah, ridiculous. And when you would see the marketing materials for a university orchestra, I mean, it looked like a professional symphony. So, you know, getting to work really close with Dr. J. Dean, um, you know, he asked me, he's like, you know, you're a performance major you should really consider like taking business classes because like no one's going to market your market you better than yourself. So, you know, this is like 20, like over 20, well, actually exactly 20 years ago when no one was really talking about this, you know, now like music schools are trying to, you know, talk about entrepreneurship and like the other things um, as far as like making it in the business. No one was talking about that 20 years ago. And so um, I added that marketing minor. I stayed an undergrad an extra year and that was huge for me, um, more than I ever, ever thought. And now like actually like anyone who gets a performance degree at Texas state in trombone, at least like they have to like minor in something else. So like, you know, I have cats that are, you know, minoring in business, um, mass communications because you can use those tools for, you know, anything else that can be related to, you know, if you want to be a performer too. So, you know, like when I went off to graduate school at the University of Texas, you know, I was like one of those few people that had a website already, you know, like had like professional photos because those are the things I was learning in marketing classes. You know what I mean? Um, which I felt helped me um, just even get more gigs because, you know, I mean, Google wasn't a thing back then. It was like more of like Yahoo, but just even to be able to search somebody and show up on their search engine. Um, yeah. I mean, those things were like very, very helpful. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm talking a lot, <laughs> but, uh, no, you're right. good. You're good. but, um, but yeah, you know, I mean, a lot of those things are, are helpful in the business. That's awesome. Uh, I wanted to go back a little bit. What, uh, yeah. what was your, the prime reason for you going to, uh, Southern Miss mm-hmm. for undergrad. Um, so all four years of high school, I attended an honor band there and the honor band was great. And I remember the first time I attended my freshman year, um, it was like a four day honor band. And that's like, you know, there's things in your life, especially in music, when things kind of click with you and you're like, man, this is why I want to do that. And that weekend, was one of those weekends. I mean, I was around like serious kids. Uh, I mean, really, like it, it was like a huge turning point for me my freshman year of college. I mean, freshman year of high school. One was being in the youth symphony. Um, two was uh, attending Interlochen, and then three was attending like this all South honor band at Southern Miss. I'm not sure if they still do it, but you get to see all the top ensembles. You get to work with the trombone professor. And so that was like my first interaction with, you know, my future professor and you get to sit in a trombone choir. And that was my first time playing in a trombone choir too. And so, yeah, that was a huge thing. And, um, you know, I auditioned to a lot of, you know, different conservatories and, um, for, for undergrad. And it was actually a really weird situation though. Like my senior year, um, you know, I auditioned at Northwestern and I auditioned at Oberlin and both the professors died my senior year of high school. Um, you know, the great Frank Crisofoli, um, who taught at Northwestern, um, you know, he passed away mm-hmm. my senior year. So I auditioned for him and then, you know, he later passed away. And then, um, the great Ray Primru, um, was teaching at Oberlin and passed away too. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, that was also one of the switch situations like, wow, I don't know, you know, you're 18, 17, 18, like, you don't know who you're going to study yeah. with. 
And, you know, like my professor at USM, like she was constantly contacting me, like, like almost every week. And so like also just seeing that, um, that attention I was getting was a big reason. And, you know, a lot of my Allstate friends, um, were going to Southern Miss too. And so like I already knew people there as well. So yeah, I mean, that was just a great situation for me. Um, my first opportunity to sub in an orchestra, a professional orchestra, I was a freshman, you know, I was 18 years old, like subbing with a professional orchestra. And by my senior year, I was playing with four orchestras. And so I was very spoiled, uh, by the time That's I awesome. you know, got my bachelor's degree. Mm -hmm. hmm. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. and then my other question, uh, you mentioned recordings that you listened to. Uh, when you were in undergrad in high school that like really got you into bass trombone. I was curious of what those recordings were because that kind of like really sets everyone's like sound and everything up from the very beginning. And then after that, they just go out into the world with their own unique one. So I was curious about that too. Yeah, exactly. So my freshman year when I switched to bass, uh, Blair Bollinger's Fancy Free album just came out. <laughs> so I listened to that thing like on repeat. I mean, I still have that CD. I mean, I think it has scratches all over it, but I'm like, I'm never going to get rid of it. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that was a huge one for me. Um, Doug Yo's recordings were like very monumental, like my freshman year. I mean, you know, back then, like, there weren't a lot of things. You know, Donald Knob had a couple of recordings, and, you know, and Nobby is, like, a huge mentor. Um, um, I consider him a hero, especially when I'm going to University of Texas, even though I didn't study with him. Um, but, yeah, there weren't that many recordings. So, like, between Blair's recording, um, Doug Yo's recording, you know, then later on, like, about my junior year, that's when Paul Pollard, you know, got his first album out there. And then, so I was... <laughs> Hook with that, and yeah, like Ben Van Dyke's um, recordings. Oh man, um, mm -hmm. Charlie Vernon's man. album just started to come out. Um, the one, with, you know, the Awaiting Concerto and like all, all the standard stuff. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah. yeah, it was really at the point my my none of my professors never really had to um, recommend solos for me because I wanted to play everything because I was listening to all these recordings. I want to play this, 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 you know, and I bought all of them. Or, you know, checked out from the library. And so, you know, I was just hungry and wanted to play everything. And so, as you guys know, that's a great way to learn about rep. Just, you know, <laughs> listen to recordings and not to mention also just getting that sound development in your in your uh, sound database. Yeah, that's awesome. That's what I really loved about ITF. Uh, all the recitals, they were just, they were such different music. Like, there was a lot of really cool, unique new solo rep that was coming out and that was like, commission and compose for that person at that at that event so it was really nice to see like exactly how it's supposed to go almost and that was really cool but there were also like a bunch of old standards that a lot of people played that like kind of i don't know it just motivated me to want to do more solo rep which i tried to do this semester so i yeah i really enjoy the solo rep and you have a lot of cool stuff too do you have like do you get yours commissioned often or do, do you just find stuff? Okay. Um, it's a it's actually a little bit of both. Um, so you know sometimes I'll just go down like the like the hickeys rabbit hole and just like go down the you know the catalog. I'm like, oh, this looks cool, and um, mm -hmm. there's no recording of it, you know. So I'll do that. But um, one thing the McCain duo has been really big on um, in previous years is commissioning new works, and I think that was when well, one I was 
getting bored of, you know, playing all the standard stuff because I did all that, you know, when I was in school. But also, right. you know, I was like, okay, we don't need another recording of Boats as New Orleans or, um, you know, like you can just name any of the standard rep out there. And I wanted to find my own voice. And so that's when I started um, getting into like commissioning um, composers and really started doing that just, you know, with classmates like you you know you have classmates who are composers and you know a lot of times like you can get them to to do things even for free and like you know because like your students you're trying to help each other out and like hey i can promise that you know this is going to be recorded or this is going to be performed at you know so and so um conference and so like that's kind of how i got started out doing it and you know now of course like i pay like all of my um composers uh friends that i commission and and then you know you also have consortiums too and you know sometimes i join a couple of those you know when you have like you know, a consortium leader and they'll um you know get a couple of people together you know you put money together and you know, that's a way that we bring new rep um to the trombone community you know not just solos but also you know trombone choir music too mm -hmm. i've got a couple of questions if you don't mind um, Not at all. So I'm a jazz musician, um, and I, I was wondering, like, where along the line you started initially digging in to jazz rap, and then also, like, kind of what your weekly, monthly, daily practice routine looks like to kind of manage upkeep of both sides of your playing. Yeah, so that's a really great question. Um when I was in high school, like my dad was like the first person that introduced me to like, you know, JJ Johnson um, recordings. And I mean, I have like, you know, a lot of those records over here on this bookshelf. And, um, you know, because, you know, he went to, you know, high school was ridiculous musicians like Stanley Clark, um, the great bassist. Mm -hmm. And so um, I remember in high school, you know, especially like going to Interlocking and Brevard, I was very classically focused. And I remember him telling me, um, you know, if you want to be, if you want to be able to eat, like you should be comfortable in like all styles. And it's like, I'll always take that um, information uh, to heart because like, that's you know pretty much what my career is now. Um, but, you know, I really, you know, I, I listened to a lot of jazz, but in high school, like my high school didn't have a high school, like we didn't have a jazz band, you know, like you can throw a rock in, uh at a high school in Texas and like they're going to have a jazz band and there's a lot of jazz bands in middle schools in Texas too but uh yeah we didn't have that I mean the closest to jazz that I ever had was you know youth symphony pops concerts when we we're playing like you know Glenn Miller string of pearls and I thought that was the epitome of jazz back then <laughs> but um when I got to undergrad and especially switching the bass you know I finally got to be in a big band and, um, you know, there again, you know, listen to recordings. Uh, I think that's when I really started listening to Bob Mincer and then like finding, I'm like, man, who the heck is this bass drum player playing in the Bob Mincer big band? Turned out to be Dave Taylor, yeah. uh, who was a good friend. And, um, I'm like, okay, I need to sound like that in a big band. And, you know, I was one sitting, I would just go to the first jazz band rehearsals, you know, just like, you know, sit in the corner and just like listening. All right. Okay, this is how you swing. Like, this is a different articulation, like, from, like, the orchestral side of things and just listening a lot. Like, in undergrad, I didn't have formal jazz training whatsoever. It was more just listening, listening, listening. 
um, listening to a bunch of big bands. Um, and then I found out about Matt Neese and the Capitol Bones, which yeah. was like a huge thing um, for me. Um, you know, I was uh, like Jazz Ramon Ensemble is like it's like a huge passion of mine. Um, you know, when I was an undergrad, like I was a part of this group called the Southern Miss Hub Bones, and we won like the National Jazz Trombone Ensemble competition. That uh, well, back then it was called the ETW, the Eastern Trombone Workshop. Now it's ATW, American Trombone Workshop. And you know, that was my first opportunity to meet uh, Matt, and then you know, one of my heroes, Jeff Cortazzo. Um, he used to be the bass trombonist of the Army Blues, and so like you know, just listening to those sounds and like Dudley High Note, like who was the former bass Ramon player of the airman a note and just trying to get these sounds in my head and so um that's when i started to realize that oh i really love like this big band approach to playing um especially i was enamored with the role of the bass trombone as well which became my dissertation topic um in doctoral school was like the role of the bass trombone and so um when i moved to austin texas that was a huge way that I got into the scene first. You know, I wasn't really like sudden with the orchestras at first. I was playing with a bunch of big bands. And I mean, now, I mean, I play with three big bands um, between Austin and San Antonio. And um, yeah, like that was like a lot of the work I was doing. And I mean, we have like three jazz clubs in Austin. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I learned, especially trying to break into the scene, like that was like one of the best ways to break into it. And because of my jazz playing, that was a big way how I broke into the orchestral singing because people um, noticed that I knew like how to swing and fit into that type of section. So I was starting to get asked to play pops concerts in orchestras. Um, and then they're like, oh, you know, can you, can you play Brahms afterwards? And so <laughs> that's why I always tell students like, yeah, even if like you want to just mainly do like orchestral music, like you want to be comfortable like playing jazz because, you know, you don't want to turn down, you know, like money. And especially if you're a student um, or even like a professional in that manner, because, um, yeah, I mean, the, the money's out there, um, but you have to be able to be flexible um, with styles. I mean, shoot, even instruments um, as well. But, um, yeah, just like the answer like that second part of the question like how to how do i maintain both um i mean that's hard uh to be honest with you um i remember asking um the longtime trumpet professor at the university of texas um ray sasaki um he was somebody who could do both very well um he you know i would play big band gigs with him but then you know i could you know have an opportunity to play in a brass quintet with him and i mean he would blow changes like freddie hubbard but you know and he was like the long time trumpeter for the st louis brass and he said yeah you got to practice um equally um enough so like if you're going to put in like three hours on classical music you need to put in three hours on jazz and so I found that very hard in grad school. You know, it was more like, you know, like my jazz playing would be like the dessert um, at the end of the day. You know, like that's how I reward myself. Like if I got everything done on like um, like the classical side. But but yeah, you know, like my my practice is more on the classical side of, of things. Um, yeah. You know, even though like, you know, I, you know, I had a big band gig last night. Um, in a few hours, I have a recording session, um, like on tenor, which is completely different, like more of like an R and B, um, recording session. And so, um, but yeah, like the thing is just 
for me now, especially with limited time with like all the things I have to do, is just structuring your time like very good. Um, you know, so like I'm like on a good day, like I might get three hours of practice and you know, some of that might just be like a listening session and just like but I feel like the big thing is the daily routine and I cater my daily routine to get me through what I have to do for the day. You know what I mean? And so like this morning, you know, like my daily routine was, you know, catered to my bass playing for this recital that I have to do in England in three days. But then also, you know, I had to do like a warm up on tenor so I can do this recording session that I have to do. Cause like, especially with these R and B recording sessions, um, they're not like classical recording sessions, you know, um, those things can go forever. And then sometimes like you're away from the lead sheet too. Um, did a recording session like was Grammy award winning, um, rapper, um, a few months ago where they added like three tunes that weren't originally like on, um, you know, on our stand. And then they, there was no music for it. So like we're making up the music like right then and there too. So, um, yeah, just being flexible <laughs> is a, mm-hmm. is a big thing, but yeah. So that's literally, I cater the routine every day to like what I have to get through that day, whether it's teaching like, you know, all day or, you know, like my performance schedule. And I also wanted to ask you about something that I've had in my mind lately about, about practice. Um, is that I sort of, I've been struggling with a lot of motivation issues for the better part of a year. And, um, it's not that I, that I don't want to be great. It's not that I'm not hungry. It's just sometimes getting myself into the practice room and getting myself in the right mindset to be productive is really difficult. And I know I'm not the only person that deals with that, but I feel like forcing myself to do it is not really going to be the right solution. Because I think that if if I'm in this mindset where I'm forcing myself to do something, yeah, I will be going through the motions, but I'm not really going to get anything accomplished. Um, and what I would rather do is try to cultivate a mindset where I'm excited to practice and like where I'm, I'm eager to get things done. I'm eager to get in the practice room. Then it won't feel like a chore and I'll, you know, have more motivation to get things done. You know, so that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of a, that's a the long way around asking how do you manage or how do you suggest trying to just create your own motivation to get in the shed? Yeah, um, I think we all kind of lost the motivation, you know, like two years ago, right? Like when the pandemic hit and like, and all of our concerts were over. And I mean, and I hit that slump too. I mean, it was, for one, it was nice. I'm like, oh, I don't have to get on an airplane this week. You know, I can just chill at home. But then I'm like, oh, then it really, you know, started to settle in. I have no concerts to prepare for. And so, um, yeah, there was definitely two weeks where I'm like, okay, um, you know, just kind of chilling out a little bit. But then, um, when like recording started to happen, like recording projects, like that was motivational, right? Like definitely don't want to sound bad, you know, for these recording projects, you know what I mean? But I find creating projects for yourself is a great way to work on mot- uh, like motivation. So, um, because like I have like so many different things that are going on, it's like it's not even like a motivational thing. It's like 
it's more of like my job, like, okay, like I have to put this time in, you know, to, um, like to learn these notes, like for this concert or, um, oh yeah, or it's not going to sound good or you're not going to get hired again. You know, I guess when, you know, when being hired back is on the line, like that's kind of motivation too, <laughs> uh, you know, to make sure you're sounding good. But, um, but you know, I always also tell students this, um, just the motivation for, even just taking the horn out of the case. Like I have like this 15 minute rule, um, you know, just try to actually make yourself just start playing your horn for 15 minutes, you know? And if you can get past that 15 minutes and it's starting to feel good, then just, you know, then keep going. You know what I mean? If like that 15 minutes, it just feels like a chore. and like, ah, I'm just not feeling it right now. Put the horn away, you know, go do something else. Try that 15 minutes again later on. Right. But, um, you know, a lot of times with that 15 minutes, I think it's really like that first, you know, hump of just getting through it, you know, because, um, yeah, this has been sometimes like, ah, not in the mood to to do this right now. Like there's other things I would love to be doing right now. But, um, yeah, you know, within like that 10 minutes, I'm like, oh, yeah. All right. Like it feels good. And I'm just going to keep going. And so I always, you know, challenge people, you know, at least try to do it for 15 minutes and, and see what happens. Um, but yeah, there'll, there'll be sometimes even the middle of a practice session, you feel like, okay, like things aren't just aren't happening right now. That's okay. You know, just put the horn to the side. You know, I like to think about, um, centering and just deep meditation. I mean, we all get to that point where we're frustrated in the practice session. And I just like to think about just deep breathing, you know, just calm down. I mean, it's not going to be great for anybody if you are tense and frustrated. Um, like nothing's going to sound great in that on, on your instrument. And so, you know, just putting the horn away and just, you know, doing some deep breathing. Um, remember, you know, I mentioned Donald Knob again, you know, which I feel like a, a lot of folks need to know that name, even though, you know, he left us a few years ago. Great bass trombone is probably the first american bass trombonist to ever record an album i believe um but he always said you know if things aren't going you know well in the practice room um you know his joke was you know sometimes you just have to go paint the bathroom wall you know just find something else to do um besides the trombone for that day you know um but it's you know it's always going to be there um you can always just come back to it but um yeah you know some other things that kind of motivated me, especially during the pandemic, was just listening to other people, um, you know, especially on social media. Um, if I ever needed like a boost, you know, Jim Markey was on it like during the pandemic. Like he had, you know, videos like every day. And so like I'm scrolling to Instagram, I'm like, all right, I'm a I need to go practice. <laughs> and so yeah, just you know, just you know, that's the great thing about social media now. You know, just like you're kind of like open to like different artists and like their like their daily routines and so yeah like oh that's how it's supposed to be done like i'm gonna you know go do some work myself Hmm. and that kind of leads as a a nice segue into the next thing i was going to ask is what is what are some things you enjoy doing away from the trombone what are some of your hobbies Oh yeah. No, I have a lot of hobbies. Uh, I love sports. I'm a sports fanatic. Um, so what makes me very happy is like going to sporting events, um, watching, um, sports. And so when I don't have like a concert engagement on the weekend, like I am usually 
watching football. I'll even be practicing and watching football. Um, you know, I'm a huge boxing fan. And so like, I'm, you know, watching, you know, that's like a big, you know, Saturday's a big boxing night. So like I'm doing that too. Sometimes I might even have three different screens going on. Um, and heck, even if I'm like, you know, traveling somewhere like for like a, a gig, usually in my hotel room, like I'll have like the TV, the laptop, the iPad, the phone all going at the same time. Um, oh, wow. And I usually, you know, I love sports, but, you know, I guess this is also my love for playing in ensembles and section playing because I really think it's like the same thing, um, you know, like a team sport. And you know, like I love you know playing a lot of different things, but I love playing in a section because like you know it's like playing in a unit and everybody has the role. You know what I mean? So um, so yeah, I always like kind of put like those two together. Um, Who's your football? Besides team? sports, my football team is Tennessee Titans. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, like, okay. I'm, I'm from Tennessee, <laughs> so yeah, tighten up. <laughs> That's tough. Uh-huh. Yeah, that is tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Tennessee Titans. No, we we beat Green Bay and Lambeau Field on Thursday night. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, like love sports, but I also love barbecue too. Um, very passionate about that. Uh, always joke that you know after you know the music thing, like you know I might open up like a barbecue um, shop or something. But um, man, you and everybody else, smokers. Collins into that, and <laughs> yeah, and Justin Cooks into that. We just found out all recently. The, all the good trombonists in the world are into yeah. barbecue. That's what I'm noticing. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, Brian's yeah. trying to get into it. I think like <laughs> everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now I have five smokers. So I mean, it's almost about to get to the point where I'm going to have more smokers than Whoa. trombones. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> what do you yeah. do with all of them? <laughs> Well, someone asked me, have I ever used all five at once? And I just got my fifth one in September. So I've used all, I used four at once. Um, I like throwing parties. And so, I mean, 4th of July, um, I think I cooked for like over 30 people. And so, um, so yeah, you know, I just, and like they all do different things too. Um, you know, so you kind of see like what is, what apparatus is good for like certain meats. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. I just kind of gone through that rabbit hole. I'm already looking at another one that I'm possibly going to get maybe in the next like month and a half. Oh my goodness! Yeah, you know, I just got certified to be a barbecue competition judge. So like, that's Whoa. very passionate. About Wait, barbecue. really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How did you uh-huh. do that? How how do you go about doing a like a barbecue judge? That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's really not hard. I mean, you just. Um, you just have to know where to look, but, um, you know, there's different, um, organizations that sanction different barbecue competitions. So you just go online, mm-hmm. you pay some money, you go take a class and yeah, a couple hours later, then you're certified to be a judge. And so you're kind of learning like the things that, you know, judges are supposed to be looking for in barbecue competitions. Um, and the training is awesome. It's kind of like attending an ITF but for barbecue, because instead of like talking about like, yo, what, you know, alloy bell do you use? Or well, you use a dual bore slide or single bore. We're talking about like, you use an offset smoker. Like, you know, do you use, you know, <laughs> like pellets? Do you use wood? Yeah. Like it's like totally nerd out. Like I loved it. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds so like borderline absurd that that's, that that's a thing, but like it, it kind of humbles me and reminds me how equally absurd what we do is. 
you know, like yep. I, I was at a, a family gathering recently with a lot of family that I hadn't met before. And this one guy, I was talking to him about what I do. And he was just shocked at the idea that there are trombone solo albums. Like just that <laughs> alone was uh-huh. bl- enough to blow his mind. I was like, man, wait till you hear what I was doing at Arkansas this summer. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah. When I was telling people I was going to a trombone festival, they're like, a festival for trombones? I'm like, yeah. Like, every instrument almost has one. Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. That's awesome. Yeah. What's your favorite thing to, like, just to barbecue up? What is your favorite Ooh. thing? You know, that's hard because I love doing everything. And I'm trying to... So, like, my ultimate goal and the reason why I want to be a certified judge is because I want to do competitions one day. And so I just I want to learn all the things that the judges are looking for. And, um, so yeah, like I try to, you know, I really try to make everything, but I love doing pork ribs. Um, cause I'm from Memphis and like that, you know, pork is gold in Memphis. Um, being in Texas for so long, um, beef ribs is really fun because they're huge. I mean, it's like brisket on a stick. Um, they don't really, it doesn't really take a lot to manage them either, um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I love doing a whole bunch of things though. I mean, but my goal is to do a whole hog one day, but I have to have the apparatus for that. I don't have that type of pit yet. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, I mean, awesome. to sort of start closing things out here just a little bit, I mean, um, what are some more general advice that you would have for young musicians that are trying to make it in this industry? Yeah, well, a few things. Um, the first thing, when you're in school, like, understand that you were in your career then. And no one really told me that when I was younger. But like I said before, I mean, I subbed with my first orchestra as a freshman. And I feel like that really set me up. And yeah, like, not everybody might have the opportunity to, to sub in an ensemble like that early. But just like, like the way that you present yourself um is huge and like the only reason like that i got that gig as a freshman and um because i mean there were of course way more bass drum players that were like stronger players than me but i feel like i was given that opportunity because i showed how hungry i was and like i was you know just eager and wanted to get better so like be curious um is another part of that too like being curious um wanting to get better and it never stops um this being a professional at a young age too. Um, and you know, like when I was like going to, you know, some of these different orchestras, you know, I would just present myself as professional as I could, you know, for like a teen, like, you know, late teenager, early, you know, 20 something. And, um, and that goes a long way too. Um, and building a network is very important. So like going to the ITFs is huge. Like when I went to my first ITF and in, in ETW at the time, just meeting like, you know, the great um, trombone players and, um, and, you know, getting lessons with people and also, you know, meeting peers, you know, going to, you know, different festivals, camps, because all these people that you're going to meet down the line or like if when you're in school and guest artists come in, just meeting people. That's the big thing because people are going to remember that, you know, like I remember um, even like my first couple of like my early years as a professor, as a professor, some of my first um, 
guest artists were people that I interacted with when I was in school that happened to be guest artists and they remembered me and, you know, and just did me a favor. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you just never know, um, where people are going to end up and, um, be nice to everybody, you know, don't just be nice to you like your trombone studio mates. I mean, that's going to be important, but you know, like they might not be the ones that are always giving you the work <laughs> too. So like being nice to everyone yeah. in the school of music, um, even if they're not nice to you, but just being nice to everybody because you have no idea where people are going to end up. And golly, the music world is so small. Um, you know, you know, you can just go anywhere and you, meet someone and you know ask them like where they went to school and like oh well, you know so-and-so yeah i know so-and-so you know it's like oh let's take a selfie together you know send a text um you know and i mean it could be one of those op- you know those things where you send it and they're like oh man that person was a jerk you know you don't want that you know so just <laughs> be yeah be nice to everybody because you just have no clue um where people could end up literally a decade from now um mm-hmm. seek out mentorship too is huge. Um, not every teacher is going to be a mentor. And, and I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's fine. But, you know, I think the cool thing about social media now, it's really easy to have access to a lot of people. And so, um, if you see somebody who's doing what you want to do and reach out to that person and, um, you know, and just, you know, ask questions, pick their brains, like ask them out for coffee or, or whatever. Um, if you end up in the same city as them, um, you know, just try to, um, pick their brain to the best of their ability. Cause I know, I mean, I did that for, you know, with the people that, you know, were mentors, um, with me and, um, yeah. And I feel like that is, is a huge thing. You know, it's, it's good to have like someone that you can call like a life mentor, um, that can always help you like through any situation, you know, and, I feel like everybody at, you know, any point in their career always has mentors. And so, um, so yeah, like that's a huge thing. So if I could sum that up, um, don't piss people off, be, be nice. Um, be curious, be professional, um, right when you start in school and, um, and find mentorship. All right. Awesome. (laughs) Love it. Well, uh, thank you for being here. We really appreciate your time and uh, all your wisdom that you've imparted upon us. Oh, well, thanks for having me. Oh, I, I enjoyed this, and thank you guys for for having this this podcast too. And you know, creating creating a space for for brass players. Hmm. Of course. Thank you well, for giving me right an impetus to go find barbecue somewhere. <laughs> I, I I need to find barbecue in the city. I don't I don't even know. Well, okay, there probably is. You're, You're in New York City? Come on. Yeah, I'm in New York. There's there's no barbecue spots in New York Dinosaur. City. Dinosaur. Dinosaur barbecue is great. Dinosaur barbecue. I'll write that down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I first went to New York, when someone told me about dinosaur, I'm like, barbecue in New York? Are you serious? But, you know, because I was, I was being judgy like that. But then when I mm-hmm. tried it, I'm like, wow, this is actually pretty good. <laughs> mm. Yeah. No, I'll check that out. As soon as I have money. <laughs> as soon as I have money. <laughs>